You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Danny Ryan. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're tuned in to RowanRadio.com. As you heard with Rowan Radio Sports Director, Danny Ryan, for this Monday, February 27th, 2023 edition of Offsides. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, Danny Ryan here alongside some pristine members of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Jordan Weisinger, his first time here on Offsides. Now, a, uh, a, a not a casual, but a usual here in the uh, production studio here at the WGLSFM studios. Chris Gazillo joins us as well. And then Justin Locke over in the conference studio right across from us. He's wrapping up third and long. And the recording of that podcast, so he'll join us in just a few minutes. But we have a jam-packed show of NBA news to get through. NFL news as well. The Pesky Chicago Bears are still flirting around with trading that number one overall pick in this year's draft, so we'll break that down and see what their future looks like, what type of package might be sent to Chicago if they do part with that number one overall pick. And then sticking with the NFL, we'll get into some talk about Bobby Wagner, who was just released from the Los Angeles Rams alongside Jalen Ramsey. He's currently being shopped, and reports say that they wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the next few weeks. And then we'll finish things off with our top five NFL draft prospects you are eyeing ahead of the 2023 draft combine. Players are arriving there as we speak. Coverage in the actual uh, combine will start on Thursday at 3 p.m. But without further ado, fellas, let's hop right into it and discuss what happened this past weekend in the National Basketball Association, the first weekend since the NBA All-Star break. And I want to start with the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Boston Celtics this past Saturday. It was a battle between the number one seeds in the or the number one seed in the East between the number three seed in the East and the Celtics. They just own the Sixers. I'll straight up say it. I mentioned it to you guys off the air, but it's not a rivalry if they have beaten you 20 times out of your last 31 matchups going 11 and 20 in your last 31. It's just not a great recipe for success. Just taking a few looks at the stats, Jason Tatum didn't have a really good night. Still finished with 18 points, 13 rebounds. Three of those 18 came on the buzzer-beating three-pointer to clinch the game. For the Celtics, Al Horford had 15 huge points all off of three-pointers. Robert Williams with 14 down there. But really, the Sixer killer in Jalen Brown with 26. Also, Derek White with 18 off the bench. For the Sixers, it was the Harden and Embiid show. Tobias Harris had one heck of a first half, but only five points in the second half to show for it. And a 110-107 to victory for the Boston Celtics. I don't know if you guys were tuning in live. I mean, I completely get it if you're not. Uh, you're both New York fans, but you do play them tonight. You play the Celtics, that is, tonight, the New York Knicks. And it's going to be a tall battle for you guys, but, I mean, you saw how tough it is for the 76ers, who I bet you could admit are a little bit better than the Knicks at this point. This Celtics team is really scary. Uh, yeah, uh, like you mentioned, they always have the Sixers number. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't take that away for how good the Sixers can be. One game, recency bias, it can look like bad, but... Mm-hmm. The Celtics, they held Tatum, he had it, but he came through at the uh, end of the game. But I mean, I'm encouraged from this performance, honestly. It's a loss, but for the Sixers, it's been a game where, or it's been a season where, you know, the Celtics have seemingly owned us in the regular season the past few years, more specifically the past two seasons. And I'm encouraged by this performance. You came basically two milliseconds away from heading to overtime on on an Embiid three-fourth, oh gosh, I cannot speak, on on an Embiid (laughs) three-fourth, court shot almost a full court shot from the big man and he's had the tendency to really come close on those shots a few times I know one happened in the COVID season against the Suns but I mean I'm encouraged they held their own even from bad performances from Tyrese Maxey who finished with eight points two rebounds to assist Jalen McDaniels who they picked up at the deadline 15 important defensive minutes but only four points and then DeAnthony Melton the starting shooting guard gets the same amount of minutes as Tyrese Maxey with 25 but puts up less points and the same amount of assists and rebounds with a 7-2-2 two, and two stat line. So, you know, like I said, it was the James Harden and jo- uh, Joel Embiid show. 21 points from James Harden, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, and then 41 points from Joel Embiid in the loss, along with 12 rebounds, 5 assists. P.J. Tucker was good on the board, 16. That's a season high, but 
just a, a tough performance for the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you think about really where the Sixers stand in the NBA, not even the Eastern Conference, Chris, but also a two-parter, what do you think about the Knicks' chances tonight against the Celtics? Um, I think the Knicks have a good chance. Um, the good thing is that, that Jalen Brown's not playing today, which is a huge factor for the Celtics because mm-hmm. it's basically the Tatum and Jalen Brown show. Um, I mean, what, what, what was it? Yeah, the other question was just uh, – are the Sixers in the elite category in the NBA? What do you think about their chances for the NBA title? Um, I think they definitely are in the, the elite conversation, but they need more from the other the from the whole team. They can't mm-hmm. just be Embiid and Harden just uh, playing their soul away every single game just for like PJ Tucker to have seven points. And Tobias Harris, they only have 19. They need their other players to step up. Yeah, and really, you're not going to get a lot of production from P.J. Tucker. You'll be lucky if you get two corner threes. If you get three, it's a miracle from him in a game. And he had a good you know, performance on the boards, like I mentioned, with 16 rebounds. But you're completely right. Tyrese Maxey was supposed to be that third option for the Philadelphia 76ers. He took a huge leap last season to bring his scoring average up to 17.5. He's even improved himself this season with his scoring average almost at 20 points per game. But now coming off the bench as the sixth man, I don't know if that's hurt his confidence a little bit, rattled him in a sense, but he hasn't been playing great as of late in the Memphis game just prior to the Celtics game. He logged 37 minutes, only 16 points. I mean, it really just has not been great for the so-called third star of the Philadelphia 76ers. You can make the argument that Tobias Harris, because of the amount of money he's getting paid, should assume that third star role, but he'll never be that, and we know it. So it's going to be a tough route for the Philadelphia 76ers if they want to make it past the second round, get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and maybe face a team like the Boston Celtics. It's very I don't know, daunting, I guess you could say the word is, because they've owned us. We're starting to kind of pick up the pace. The Philadelphia 76ers are to get closer to their category and their uh, really just their own elite tier, I guess you could say, in the Eastern Conference. But Justin Locke joins us now from recording third and long, our NFL podcast here at Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. And Justin, we're just talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, their loss to the Celtics, and really if you would put them in the elite category, all bias aside, as a Philadelphia 76ers fan. It was a tough loss, but I honestly view it as an encouraging loss against the Celtics. They've owned us 11 for 20 in our last 31 appearances against the Celtics. What are your thoughts on Saturday's game, and are you encouraged or disencouraged by this performance? I would say that I wasn't discouraged at all. I mean, again, Tatum didn't have a great game. I think he had 18 or 20 points after that that three he hit to win the game. And to be completely honest, I think the Sixers just don't have an answer for the Celtics. I mean, they're the number one team in the entire league, not just the East. And if you go... I mean, the bench unit for the Sixers is a problem. I mean, I think me and you have talked about it before. Yeah. We're the third seed in, in the East, but there's a lot more things we need than having Jalen McDaniels. and Niang. I mean, Niang is hit or miss. He didn't hit any shots the other night. Paul Reed gets five minutes. Shake Milton, two minutes. Tyrese Maxey didn't have a good game. So it, it's a lot of things could have happened. Maxey puts up 15 points, we win. It, so I would say if you're the Sixers, I wouldn't – dwindle on that loss at all I mean obviously we wanted him to hit that shot on time and we mm-hmm. would have went to overtime could have possibly won if we played better defense on that last shot against Tatum it wouldn't we would have went to overtime anyway so I think if you're a Sixers fan you you're not you're not happy with the loss at all because it was close it's not like they blew you out you were in Wells Fargo Center too so it definitely hurts to lose against them but you played well against Tatum who is a top five top seven player in the league most times. Again, 18 points, 13 rebounds. So I would say, yeah, just just to wrap that up, I would just say, yeah, I mean, the Sixers, still a promising team. They're I top five I, team in the NBA, in your opinion? Yeah, usually. I, I don't think they're top three. I think they're four or five, but mm-hmm. because yeah. the Nuggets, obviously, the other, I think Bucks, Celtics are easily better than the, than the Sixers. We have no idea what the Suns are going to look like, too, with a healthy Kevin Durant. Yeah, healthy so. KD. Healthy KD that team is easily top five. So yeah. I would say Sixers are four or five, and just depending on what happens with KD. And on that note, too, before we move on to the Lakers and their matchup against the Mavericks and Kyrie Irving, I do want to ask you as well, Justin, would you at this point in the season, you're not seeing a lot of out- offensive output at this point from DeAnthony Melton. He's had a cold streak as of late. Would you put Tyrese Maxey back into the starting lineup? And I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but 
in that last possession, are you more confident in Jalen McDaniels on Jason Tatum for that three or DeAnthony Melton? Because McDaniels had been limiting Tatum all night. We talked about it. Not his best performance. Looks decent in the box score, but uh, they did a good job of limiting him all night. I would rather have Melton on there, but McDaniels, again, is, is a good defender. I, I don't think he... I mean, again, we talk about Tatum only had 18 points. He, he usually averages 27, 28 a night. And to say that a guy who, again, top five player in the league, only puts up 18 points, and he had 15 points before that three he hits for the game. Mm-hmm. So An ugly 15 points. Too. An ugly 15, yeah. I don't know exactly percentage, like what he shot, but it was not pretty at all. And, again, it's it's a game where they're the number one team in the whole league, and we held our own against them. And without Maxi had eight points, and he came off the bench. I do think Maxi should have started. I, I don't know how many games he's been off the injury now, but it's probably been a month at least. So I would say he should be back in the lineup. And then I think Melton should come off the bench because I, I think he would be the one to swap out. But And I get the theory behind it too. Like you want that guy who can create his own uh, just space off the bench and create his own shots off the bench. And that's where Tyrese Maxey can be with his speed, his improved three-point ability. But – at some point, you just have to you know, consider if it's a confidence thing, if it's just him coming off an injury and not really have the rust off yet, even though it's been quite some time since that, I believe it was an ankle injury. And so a lot of people I've heard today on Sports Talk Radio in the Philadelphia area, Tyrese Maxey's overrated. And then I've heard people call in and say, hey, Doc Rivers is overrated. He's the one that's not really uh, progressing his development at all. And, you know, I see both sides of the story, but... I heard a great point. I forget which uh, station it was, whether it was 97.5 or 94.1 WIP, but you know, Doc Rivers can do all he wants. The entire coaching staff can do all they want, but at the end of the day, it comes down to a guy making open shots in the NBA game, and he's not doing that. He's having his opportunities. You see the three-point shots that just rim out. You see the, the shots at the basket when he's trying to finish just either go off the front of the rim or too hard off the backboard. Something's off with Tyrese Maxey right now, so... We'll see if he can improve over the next month or so and try and become that third star that the Sixers want him to be. Once again, a 110-107 to loss at home to the Eastern Conference best Boston Celtics, the number one seed. And now from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference, let's cover a game that was also on Saturday. Actually, no, this was Sunday night, last night. It was the Lakers versus the Dallas Mavericks. That one tipped off at 3.30. And, of course, the narrative in that one is LeBron versus Kyrie Irving. The matchup that everyone wanted to really pinpoint and highlight, and for good reason, NBA champions together in 2016. But the Lakers, they had a 27-point deficit, I believe it was, at one point. They came from behind to seal a victory against Kyrie and Luka. And really, the statement remains that this Mavericks team is very, very bad at defense. They made that trade and gave up a lot of depth to get Kyrie Irving, and it hasn't been paying off. Their depth at the bench area is very bad. Even their offensive Uh, output in the starting lineup with the depth there. It can be questionable at times if Tim Hardaway is not on. So, Jordan, I want to get your thoughts on really just this come-from-behind victory for the Lakers. They're trying to position themselves either in the play-in position or outside of the play-in position towards the sixth seed. They're only three and a half games out of that sixth seed right now. So where do you view the Lakers as far as contending for the title goes? Do you think that, you know, if they face a team like the Kings who are inexperienced in the first round, they could pull off uh, an upset in that first round and try and make a run at it? Uh, I th- I think they can. The Lakers are – they have LeBron James, the king. Some people call him the GOAT, Anthony Davis. They're built to win, and they have won with that team. And I think they got a lot better over the deadline with additions of Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell, uh, Malik Beasley, Jared yeah. Vanderbilt, Mobamba. Players like that, the role players, they add depth, and I think they're a lot better team because of that. And it showed against the Mavericks. And like you mentioned, even with the addition of Kyrie Irving – they're, I don't think they're title contenders, hot take or not. They're mm-hmm. not deep enough, and I don't think they can win a seven-game series against some of the stronger teams like the Suns with KD or the Clippers, who I think are a hot take to win because they have Kawhi. He has the experience in Paul George and the new addition of Westbrook and uh, the Nuggets, the one seed, and obviously the Grizzlies and the Lakers, top teams in the West. I think the, Lake, the Lakers easily can uh, make a run if they continue to win more games and stack Ws. And now let me ask you this, too, while we're at it. Take a look at the Lakers. They're 13 and a half games out of the first spot in the West, but if you compare them to the six-seeded Mavericks, who they obviously beat last night, it's a huge victory for them. They're only three and a half out, like I mentioned. You mentioned that the Mavericks might not be a championship contender because of their lack of defense and despite the blockbuster trade. Put these two teams in a seven-game playoff series against each other. Who do you think wins? Between the Lakers and the Mavericks? Yep. 
I would take the Lakers in six. It's very unlikely this matchup's going to happen, but just yes. comparing the talent level of both teams that you mentioned, they lost a lot of talent uh, as far as the depth goes on the Mavericks. I'd probably take the Lakers not in six, but in seven because Luka, playoff Luka is a different beast. I mean, we've seen that in the bubble, outside of the bubble as well, but I agree with you. I think this Lakers team, led by a more experienced player in LeBron James, they have a lot of talent now, and I could see them pulling this off. What do you say, Chris? I mean, do the Lakers have a real chance at the title this season if they can start a second-half run here and just you know, throw together five games at a time, lost five-game run streak? That, that would really propel their momentum to, I think, making a run in this Western Conference, which is really wide open. Um, I do think they can make a run, but I don't think they could win the whole thing. I mean, I think they could beat the – the Mavericks in a like like you said in a, in a seven in a seven series game, mm-hmm. seven series seven uh, game series yeah seven game series. Um, I mean the team that they have around them, uh, the Lakers. I mean, they have a chance, but they have times where they have they have like like you said like a like five game losing streaks, and then they go on five games winning streaks, and mm-hmm. then they they go on another five game winning streak, and then they go on another one. Mm-hmm. They have to stay consistent if they want to. If they want to uh, win a championship, like yeah, you can't you can't have that. I did want to mention this too. Now that I'm looking at the Western Conference standings, guess how many games in a row the Spurs have lost? Just a wild guess. Sixteen. Twenty. Justin in the back, not on the mic, had it right on the mark. Sixteen games in a row they've lost. That is terrible. Oh my god. Oh my god. I looked at their uh, last ten. It was zero and ten, and then it's sixteen games in a row lost. But that's another story. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. The Lakers have to be more consistent. They obviously have the talent they acquired post-deadline, and I think this is a completely different team. You have a center who can stretch the floor in Mobamba, as Jordan mentioned, and along with Malik Beasley, who dropped 26 points in their win over the Warriors the other night. I believe that was Friday night. So they have the talent. Just a matter of, one, can they stay healthy? Really, can Anthony Davis stay healthy? But two, can Darvin Ham, who had a lot of question marks at the deadline when they were making these trades, can he lead them and really band them together to make a run? Ideally, if they start to make a run in this Western Conference, it looks like they're going to take either the 7 or the 6 spot. I don't think they really have a chance at the 5 spot. Clippers currently hold that, but the Western Conference, after the 23 games or so that are left, could look completely different. I mean, the Suns are in the 4 spot right now. If the Lakers were to beat the Warriors out for that 7 spot, they'd be playing the Suns first round, which it just wouldn't be, or pardon me, they wouldn't be playing the Suns. The Clippers would be at 4 and 5, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of these teams, I feel like the Clippers could take down the Lakers, the Suns, we know what they have. Their best bet's probably the Kings, and I saw that you know, the Lakers are trying to push for that sixth spot if the Kings stay in three spots to play an inexperienced team in the Kings. What do you guys think about that idea? Jordan, I can let you start and then Justin hop in right after. Uh, I, I agree. I think the West is very wide open. Uh, whoever the Lakers play, it's going to be a dog dogmat fight the entire way. I think that maybe one team that they might not be able to handle would be a KD Suns mm-hmm. team. Um, and a hot take on my part, the Nuggets are one of the best teams in the league, but I feel like they – it's going to take a lot of depth, and Jokic is by far their best player. Mm-hmm. But can players like Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray, can they can they play well in the playoffs? They haven't in the past, and they haven't made the finals with them. And Jokic, probably, potentially a uh, back-to-back-to-back MVP. But can he get it done? I'm not sure. But I like the Lakers a lot, and to give them credit, I think a lot of their first-half struggles had to begin with like the roster they were given to play with. Yeah. I don't think Westbrook was a good fit on that team. I don't think he's not a uh, third ball type of score. And I would give credit to Rob Polinka to the hole they were in to build out of that and to just get the players and assets that they uh, have now. And I think they can definitely make a run depending on who they play. Yeah, he had one heck of a, a deadline. And we've talked about it, just the talent they brought in. But the Clippers across town or really across the stadium made a ton of moves as well. I don't think they improved nearly as much as the Lakers did. And, you know, rightfully so because the Lakers needed the talent that much more. I know the Clippers made like six or seven or so trades in like one hour uh, before the 3 p.m. deadline a few weeks ago. But the Lakers definitely, they're a completely different landscape at this point. Now you have a guy who's in the starting lineup in D'Angelo Russell who can stretch the floor, be a catch-and-shoot guy if you need him to. But also if LeBron is being doubled for some, you know, unknown reason, it's not really unknown, it's LeBron James, but he can create his own space. He can get himself to the the basket and finish like the best of them if he, uh, you know, is slithery enough. So... I like a lot of the deals they made, especially because Mo Bamba not only can protect the rim, but stretch the floor like a Brooke Lopez type, which is very, very valuable come playoff time. Uh, even if Anthony Davis is banged up and has to be subbed in and out periodically throughout the game. But, Justin, I want your thoughts really on 
a first-round matchup between the Lakers and Kings. If they were to get the sixth spot, they'd be facing the number three Kings in the first round. The Kings have made a lot of headlines, a lot of really just eyes open this season with how they've been coached by Mike Brown, a terrific hire from the Golden State Warriors. But do you think they can prevail against a LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and D'Angelo Russell-led team in the first round? No, I don't. I think I just checked to make sure I was right. The top five seeds in the Western Conference have never won a title, which is I mean, Denver's never won a title. Grizzlies never won a title. Kings have not won a title. Suns have not won a title. And the Clippers have not won a title. So going in with the Lakers, obviously LeBron has won four titles himself. He's been in 10 finals. You have more experience. And the thing is with, with the Kings, they did have a great win against the Clippers the other night in a battle against Kawhi, Paul George. But – Again, do I think they're going to do that every time in a playoff series? I don't. I, Malik Monk put up 45 the other night. That and game was absurd. Absolutely absurd game. And I don't think the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers looked promising last night. Mavericks absolutely choked on the floor, and they again that backcourt doesn't have any defense, and the team really doesn't have any defense. Dorian Finney-Smith was their best defender. They shipped him away, and now you're sitting with two guys that yes, they might give you combined for 50, but they're going to give up 35, 40 every night because they're not really going to stop anybody. And then on that on that Kings team, who's who's going to guard LeBron? Who's going to guard AD? I mean, Sabonis, I guess you could say, can kind of maybe match 20 points, 10 rebounds. But mm-hmm. AD, when healthy, is a top 10 player in basketball. And he showed last night with 30 and 15 rebounds. Vanderbilt played amazing last night. I think 15 points and 17 rebounds. Oof. Beasley didn't even play well. He had 8 points. The other night he had 25 against the Warriors without Curry. Mm-hmm. This Lakers team has depth on it. Not, I'm not saying they're the best depth, but they definitely have way more depth than they had before because a lot of people say, oh, Vanderbilt. That was Malik a statement Beasley. win over the Warriors the other night, too. LeBron only oh, dropped absolutely. 13. So. Exactly. I mean, I mean, there was a clip where AD is like, we're up 25 points, and they, they haven't really been up by double digits a lot throughout the entire – like most of their wins, and even in games, they've been cheated out of a couple games this year. We, we go back to that Celtics game where LeBron gets clearly fouled. That's a game – and right now, there's it's a it's a three three and a half game difference between them and the fourth or the fifth seed or what? Like, yeah. There's a couple games where if they get the right call, they would be way higher right now. They right now they're in the twelfth after the Trailblazer won that last night because they were eleventh after that Dallas game. So, yeah. Again, the Lakers are promising. They could beat the Kings. Uh, Shomer of the Sports Department thinks the Kings are the biggest frauds out of the eight. I would agree with that take as well. I think they're good, they're solid, but if they play any team with any type of experience, maybe maybe it's not even the Lakers. I think if the Warriors go against them, they're absolutely going to get floored. Four games, they're going. And I think people are really ruling out the Warriors right now because, you know, no Steph Curry, and they're looking pretty poor right now at the moment because, well, let's be honest, they're not at their full strength. But you make some pretty good points there. I mean, a LeBron-led team can't typically be taken down easily, and that's you know, barring if Anthony Davis is fully healthy and he's really clicking, that's barring what you get out of D'Angelo Russell, along with a lot of the other depth. And so I like the points you made there. I do want to move on from the Lakers real quick and just head to break, but we have some more NBA to talk about. Damian Lillard dropped a career-high 71 points last night, almost broke the record for most three-pointers in a game held by Klay Thompson at 14. He scored 13 three-pointers last night, so we'll break that down. And really, what the future looks like for Damian Lillard. We'll also talk a little bit about the Nuggets, uh, Jordan mentioned that, well, their talent on that team hasn't really performed in the past few years in the playoffs, but Nikola Jokic might win his third straight MVP award, dropped 40-17-10 in their latest win over the Clippers. So don't go anywhere. You can hear that and much more. We'll also get into our NFL segment right here on this Monday episode of Offsides. You're tuned in to RowanRadio.com Channel 2. The workday's done. It's time to hit the road. That's where Rowan Radio comes in and the ride at 5. Tune in from 5 to 6 p.m. for the music that matters and the songs you want to listen to. Give us a call or send us a text, and if we've got it in store, we'll play it over the air. But if you just can't get enough of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, let us pick the music while you drive. That's the ride at 5, Monday through Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. only on the station with more music than anyone else. Roman Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba, 
please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Wake up with Rowan Radio for the Early Bird Special every weekday starting at 7 a.m. Our host will help you get through your morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the Early Bird Special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, also online at rowanradio.com. Welcome back in to this Monday edition, February 27, 2023 of our live pro sports talk show, Offsides. I'm your host every Monday, Rowan Radio Sports Director Danny Ryan, as I'm joined by the trio of Jordan Weisinger, Chris Gazillo, and Justin Locke of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. We wrap up our NBA segment here, coming back from break, and we're going to talk a little bit about Damian Lillard and his career night. As I mentioned before break, he dropped 71 points against the Houston Poverty Rockets last night, 15th seed in the West, so we have to factor that into consideration uh, before we really praise Damian Lillard, but anyone doing this on any given night, it's extremely impressive, let alone anyone scoring 13 three-pointers on any given night. So, I mean, Damian Lillard did both, and once again, we see gold rotting in Portland. Fellas, I need your opinion real quick on just, I don't even know where to go with this, to be honest. I mean, where Damian Lillard needs to go to revive his career, I mean, this is just... The narrative I want to establish here, it's, it's talent being wasted over there in Portland, and he'll never leave for his own pride. He wants to finish his career as a trailblazer, be a Tim Duncan type. I just can't stand to see, one, him rotting in Portland, but two, Bradley Beal rotting over in Washington because it's just talent wasting. Chris, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on, one, Damian's career night, but two, I mean, when he's going to get out of Portland, do you think it's going to be ever? I think it's going to be someday. Uh, but I'm gonna go bias here. I think he should go to the Knicks. I think he should. But I know it's not. It's not gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. But you don't know that though. I mean, if there's a stage you might want to go to, it's probably gonna be a big stage. New York. I don't know. Los Angeles, one of the two teams, or maybe a Boston. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. But why do you think you uh, think? Why do you think he would go to the Nets or the Knicks? Pardon me. Um, because it's a big market, and he wants, to, and he's playing in a small market, which is Portland. He wants to be under the bright lights and uh, in New York. So I think it would be either the Knicks or the Nets. That's what, really? I was, that's what I was trying to say, the Knicks or the Nets. Okay, I mean, the Nets obviously would have the capital, the package to send over to Portland for a Damian Lillard. But overall, what do you think about his 71, career po- or 71 points last night being a career high? I mean, he was going off. 13 three-pointers. I was talking to Aiden Butler. He had three minutes with 71 points. He could have tacked on more, but... He didn't. I mean, just a crazy night for Damian Lillard. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, we we pretty much expected this because he's been doing it his whole career. Um, well, he's been uh, he's been, yeah he's been doing this since he came into the to to the league. Um, he has no uh, system around him that's going to help him. I mean, Jim, Jer, Jer, Jeremy Grant isn't helping him. No no one's helping him on that team. I mean, it's just him and that's it. Yeah, it's. The Damian Lillard show over there in Portland, Oregon. He's quietly averaging a 32.3 points per game clip right now, along with 47.2% from the field, 38% from three. Obviously won the three-point contest during All-Star Weekend. He's 32 years old at this point. I mean, there's only a few more years left in his prime before he really starts to take that step down. Should Damian Lillard request a trade soon? I mean, he obviously has come out in the public to say he wants to— finish his career, and also start it as a Portland Trailblazer. But at this point, it's just the obvious. He needs to get out of there. It's not the fit for him right now. It's basically, like I said, just gold rotting over there in Portland, Oregon. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree. I think he should get out. But I think it's also tough because he is 32 years old, like you mentioned, and he's making $42 million a year. Um, I'm looking at his contract right now, and he's not a free agent unless he – player ops out but until 2027 and he'll Mm. be 37 at that point he is averaging 32 points like you mentioned and he is that team but if you look around talent wise there's no one there 
I mean, C.J. McCollum, he, he's gone. Those years are over with that team. Mm-hmm. They had a chance, but they ran into Gold State in uh, the 2019 season. But Cam Reddish, Jeremy Grant, uh, Matisse Thibel, that's not going to win you playoff series. No, it's not. I mean, it's very tough to do that, even if you are Damian Lillard, who's one of the top guards in the league, if not a top three-point guard in the league. So you'd love to see his talent go somewhere else and try and really compete for a championship, but I'd also really just like the Trailblazers to press the reset button. As much as I want him to get out of there, I want the Trailblazers to do what's best for the franchise even more. I know he wants to stay there. I get it. But to act as though you don't have power in this relationship— I give it another year max for the Trailblazers to have a sense of urgency because, you know, he's the hometown, uh, not hometown kid, but he wants to stay in Portland, and you want him to stay there as long as he's still performing. But like you said, this roster is gutted outside of Damian Lillard. You can't find much talent in every aspect of the game. Now, of course, Thibel, a great defender. You have Jeremy Grant, who can be a decent scorer if he's the number one, but there's just not a, a lot of overall very talented players on that team. So, Justin, I'll pivot over to you and just get your opinion on this entire situation. One, to see Damian Lillard do something like this, how did you react? Uh, Are you surprised at all? I'm certainly not because of how that man can shoot the three ball, but just take me through your emotions with this 13 three-pointer game and where you think Damian Lillard should end up in the next one to two years. Well, I was surprised. I saw he had 50 going into the third, like halfway through the third quarter, and 71. uh, Somebody texted me first, said he had 71. Uh, I didn't believe it off the jump because I thought people were just making. Because I saw somebody say nobody's going to score 71 after Donovan Mitchell, uh, like again this season. But of course, Lillard matches it. And it was, I thought he was going to score a little bit more than that. Yeah, hey, he had some time left. He right? had three minutes left, and he. I don't think he sat down really till maybe 50 seconds left. So he could have had two and a half minutes, could have got something off. But I think now he's third in uh, 60 plus point games. I think he's uh, now has five of them. Kobe had six, and then Wilt had 34, but Wilt has every record when it comes to scoring and all that. So, now, location-wise... And, uh, Jordan, I want to get your thoughts on this, too, as well. I don't think I actually got to ask you this, but continue. Yeah, so location-wise, I would say... I, I mean, it, it really... It just depends on what... T- you have to trade him. You can't. He can't just walk away. And he's, yeah. Again, as Jordan said, 2027 is next time he's free just to walk away and do whatever he wants to do. And let's say they were to deal him in the next two years. So at the latest, he's 34 years old. What does the package look like for a 34-year-old Damian Lillard, who's making, as Jordan said, $42 million or $47 million a year? I mean, somewhere around that ballpark, it's insane. It just depends on the team. That's If it's a team that has a lot of picks, like first-round picks, uh, I mean, because we talk about that Gobert trade all the time where he don't remember how many picks, but it was a lot of picks for him. And I think KD had less picks than that, even. And to go off that, if you're going off a top player in the league, when Damian Lillard's healthy, you can say he's a top 10 player in the league. And last time he showed it off was 71. And a team that like doesn't have a defined point guard, I mean, you could say in two years, what did the Lakers have? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, there was rumors about what was Damian Lillard going to do a couple summers ago. Was he going to go to the Lakers? I feel like everybody at this point wants the Lakers to get some point guard because they wanted Kyrie. They didn't get Kyrie. Now people are saying, oh, after this year with Dallas, is Kyrie going to go there? So, yeah, I if Damian Lillard really doesn't want to leave, which I don't think they're going to pack. I think Portland stays with him because that's their only chance of being relevant. To I know Anthony Simons is hurt right now, but he, he was averaging 21 before he went down. So Jeremy Grant puts up, I think, 15 a game, 16 a game. It's just not names that are, like, jumping off at me, that, like a team mm-hmm. that can run even to a second round at all. I mean, these this, this Blazers team – couple years ago with C.J. McCollum, they got bounced out of the first round, even after Dean put up 55 in a game five, and you could, there was no 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 response to Damian Lillard at all. Aaron Gordon was getting cooked, Austin Rivers getting cooked out there, but the Nuggets were just better, and if a Blazers team, let's say, makes the eighth seed, you're going to play the Nuggets again, and this team's even better. Porter Jr. is automatic. If he touches the ball, it's going up. He shoots 40% from three. This Blazers team needs a lot of help, and mm-hmm. now with the Lakers resurging this Blazers yeah. team I I might not even make the plan as a 10 seed so it's and rough to Chris's point as well even with the bias on the table the New York Knicks need a third star if you want to you know continue the track with Julius Randle and who knows if this will really work out as far as the cap goes but they have some depth that they're occupying some bench positions right now for them 
You know, Emmanuel quickly obviously hasn't really turned into what they wanted him to. R.J. Barrett has taken a step back this year in comparison to last season. And then you have the names like Obi Toppin, Miles McBride. I'm pretty sure Quentin Grimes isn't going anywhere. They like him a lot. But Isaiah Hartenstein as well. Mitch Robinson could clear some cap if you move him. Jordan, you're a Knicks fan, right? I am. So as a New York Knicks fan, how do you feel about that? I mean, would you part with an R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly picks and let's just say, Mitchell Robinson to make the cap work for a guy like Damian Lillard at this point in his career? I 100% would. I said it when the Knicks lost to the Hawks in five a few years ago that they need to make a move. Randall, as good as he is, he's not a number one ball scorer. Atlanta found a way to stop him, and I think he didn't score more than 14 points that series. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, we have play- young players quickly, uh, McBride, Toppin. <laughs> and the coach we have in Thibodeau, he doesn't play the young players over the star players. He, they don't get enough minutes. And I think if uh, you want to win, and now that we have Brunson, and if Barrett doesn't become what we want him to be, you put a package of R.J. Barrett, you put quickly, you put Toppin, and yeah. a first-round pick, maybe a, a second in there to get Dame. And if you have a rotation of Dame, Brunson, uh, McBride, uh, Randall, and uh, I like a, uh, Jericho Sims a lot too. He's a great mm-hmm. backup center. And really the question mark goes to where – or what do you do with the small forward position? Because you mentioned McBride in there at the three, but he's only 6'2". So your best option probably is going to come in the form of Josh Hart if they re-sign him, or Quentin Grimes, who obviously has done a pretty good job in the shooting guard position for them as a young player. R.J. Barrett goes out the door. You no longer have that small forward. And so that's why I think, I mean, I know Knicks fans and even Thibodeau probably likes Mitch Robinson a lot due to his rebounding ability and his ability to defend at the rim. But let's be honest, he's not durable enough. He's out way too many games making the money he gets. If you move on from a guy like him to match the salary of a Dame, uh, along, you know, you throw in Barrett quickly atop him, whatever you have to do, then you have to worry about the small forward position, like I said. So OG Ananobi was obviously uh, in discussions with the New York Knicks as far as getting him from Toronto over to New York. What do you think the Knicks should do as far as that small forward position goes, If you know, just to build upon it before we move on from this, if they were to get a Damian Lillard? Um, I agree with you, but... I think it's it'd be easier if we move on from Mitch because I think he's making too much money mm-hmm. for if you look at a stat it's not worth it in my opinion. If you can no. move on from Mitch to put and package in with like a couple of the young players such as Toppin and quickly and some draft picks, you can get Dame and it would match the cap in my opinion. And if you do that, the Knicks are one of the best teams in the East and for Portland, a young, you know, some picks you have quickly and Toppin and Robinson like I've mentioned you can start to build up that franchise a little more. And I think that's what the best they should do because if you only, if Lillard is dropping 71 and you're only beating the Rockets by 16, what does that tell you? Yeah, and I do want to pivot to our NFL segment just shortly, but you're completely right. I mean, he needs, and I think the entire NBA, all the fans, all the GMs, everyone, they know that he needs to get out of Portland. Just a matter of when, and that when is starting to really creep up on them because – if they don't do it, like I said, in the next one to, two, one to two years, your package could dwindle substantially. I mean, you could go from getting three to four impact players plus draft picks just for a 32-year-old Damian Lillard, getting that $40-plus million contract off your roster to then maybe one or two picks, one or two impact players, some cash. Who knows? But the longer you wait, the more your product is going to just overall get worse in Damian Lillard. It's just how guards Poor, you know, unfortunately, age in this league. James Harden's about to hit that threshold as well, so you have to make a move soon if you are Portland, Portland to get as many assets in return so you can start to rebuild that franchise that has been just grasping at the 6, the 5 seed for so many years now, even the 7. Uh, it's been pretty disappointing over there in Portland, Oregon. But as I mentioned, I do want to transition to our NFL segment, and we'll make this a two-parter. We're going to talk about the Bears and how they might be shopping the number one overall pick, and then we'll segue that right into our top five NFL draft prospects you're eyeing ahead of the 2023 draft combine. So, fellas, I'm going to ask you about this rumor with the number one overall pick. It's been a rumor for about probably two weeks now, but really it's starting to pick up some momentum. They're leaning towards moving the number one overall pick now the Chicago Bears are, and well, we know this is a quarterback-heavy draft class. A lot of teams would be interested in that. So just give me the team you think, in your opinion, makes the most sense to give up a haul for the number one pick and then segue that into your top five NFL draft prospects you're eyeing ahead of the combine. Jordan, I'll start with you. Um, I think the number one team that should trade up and is in position to is the Indianapolis Colts. I think they should do it because they are – before last season, I had them winning the AFC South. And they had we it was questionable whether Matt Ryan would 
carry that team, dark horse, Super Bowl contender. Mm. Obviously, he didn't. And I think they need a fresh start at quarterback, and they could get Stroud at uh, four where they are, but I think Bryce Young is by far the best quarterback in that draft class. Well, that leads me into my next question for you, and just hop into your top five right after this. You might even address it in your top five, but if a team like the Colts or a team similar to them were to trade up for the number one overall pick, who is your solidified number one overall pick? I know you mentioned Bryce Young. Anthony Richardson has been rising in the mock drafts like crazy recently. Do you consider him there? I like Richardson a lot. I watched a lot of SEC football this season, but I, I don't buy the hype on Richardson just yet. Mm-hmm. I, it, people are, are comparing this to the uh, the 2020 draft class where you had Burrow and Tua and Herbert, and then it was like, is, was Herbert worth like all the hype? And obviously he was. Mm-hmm. Is it the same with Richardson? I don't know. But I think by far is Bryce Young. Bama only didn't make the college football playoffs because they had no wide receivers this season, and that was very clear. And Bryce Young still balled out. In the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen out of Alabama, and I think he should be the number one overall if the Colts have that. If not, and the Bears stay there, which they most likely won't, I think they should take... Uh, you don't have to have a Bears yeah, pick set. Probably like Jalen Carter or a uh, Will Anderson. But yeah. A defensive pick there at number one if they stay. Correct. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Texans hop up to number one as well to get the better out of the two and you know stop an Indianapolis Colts for, uh, team from trading up. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that number one overall pick. A lot of names are being thrown around, C.J. Stroud, and, uh, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce Young. But who do you have as your top five prospects you're eyeing ahead of the combine, if you do have one? I have my top five, and it's a mixture of talent and just curiosity of where some players might fall or might a uh, – pick up uh Bryce Young is my number one Mm -hmm. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft class as I've mentioned I have CJ Stroud at two I think I wouldn't put it past uh I don't think Will Levis or Anthony Richardson's worth the hype I think Stroud has proven himself especially against that Georgia defense in the semifinal and they might have advanced one the natty if the kicker made the kick (laughs) yeah so that's why I have Stroud at two at three could be a shock here but I have a B. John Johnson Reason being, how high will he go for a running back? B. John Robinson. B. John, yeah. my bad, Robinson. No, you're good. B. John Robinson. How high will he go for a running back? I know he's uh, very, very highly looked at, and uh, is it a Saquon type player that could uh, go number two or top ten? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. At uh, at four, I have Jordan Addison. I think him and Caleb Williams this season, uh, they went crazy. They w- put, should have made the college football playoff, but choked in the mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, but he's he's great at USC. He really is. And at five, I have Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba. He was hurt all of this season. If you watched him last year, he was the best receiver in college football. Yeah, He's an absolute stud, and he's probably going to go in the 20s. And as a Giants fan, if we can get him that high, I would be thrilled for Daniel Jones if we can bring him back. Chris, what do you think as far as your just – one, what location, what team makes the most sense for the number one pick if the Bears are to give it up? Uh, and overall, you know, just factor the assets that team may have into that decision. And then segue that into your top five NFL draft prospects you are eyeing ahead of the 2023 combine. I'm going to go with a little shock here. I'm going to go to the Detroit Lions. Ooh, wow, okay. You don't like what you saw from Jared Goff this past year? No. Nah. Really? I mean. Top ten quarterback in the league, I'd say. Um, I think they need to start fresh. I think they need um, – Bryce Young would do well for that team because they still have uh, – who's the receiver that they got? Uh, Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams. They have um, – I forgot the other guy's name. Mon Ross Mon Ross Yeah, he was absolutely absurd this season. You pair him up with Bryce Young, and that team is like one of the best team in the, teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about your top five prospects you're eyeing ahead of the deadline, if you have them, just off the top of your head? Uh, Bryce Young would be number one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Carter. Okay. Um, C.J. Stroud. J- Jordan Addison and Will Anderson. Okay, not bad. I have a few similar names in my list, but it's going to be interesting to see. I really based mine off of players that have gotten hurt that I'd like to see. You know what they have at the combine, but Justin, what do you think as far as this number one pick goes? What you know team makes the most sense in your opinion if they were to trade for it? And what kind of package do you see being sent to Chicago? Yeah, I would say if you're Houston, I wouldn't say no. I would. The Colts make sense. I mean, because if they don't want to get, they they want to get the better one. They, they want to get. Yeah, I mean, if you get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, it's not a loss. Like you're getting 
a top two quarterback regardless. Because I, I don't think if let's say Chicago stays at one, they're not going to take a quarterback. If they do, I'd be completely surprised. It'd be almost like a Jordan Love situation where they the Packers took Jordan Love when they had Rodgers. I'm not saying Fields is at the level, but Fields had a solid season. I mean, if he had more receiving like talent over there, I think it'd be a different story. So, yeah, I would say the Colts, maybe like the Falcons maybe. I mean, I don't know how confident they are in Desmond Ritter. I have no idea, but mm-hmm. they're at like eight, so they could slide up. And then my top five uh, prospects, of course, Bryce Young. Uh, I like Will Anderson Jr. I think – I mean, he's pretty solid. I like C.J. Stroud, Jalen Carter. And I'm buying into the Anthony Richardson hype now. Okay. But I, for me, I've seen Will Levis' name. I don't trust Will Levis, but I think a lot of people will. I think they're gonna. he's going to get drafted probably top 10, top 15. And I I hope he backs up the, the hype around his name. But I, if I had to pick one of those quarterbacks that won't perform out of those four, I would say it's him. Who, Anthony Richardson or Will no, I Levis? Said, I said Will Levis. Will Levis? The, the Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there trying to think about what I was saying back to you. But, uh, no, I'd have to agree with you. And you could even say that a healthy Hendon Hooker might be able to you know, beat out a Will Levis. He obviously declared for the draft, and that's one name that's flying under the radar. And I'll get into him in just a few seconds. Bit of a spoiler, he is on my list. But as far as the Bears pick goes... You know, I, I think it really makes the most sense for them to trade out of it, and I'm not surprised to see they're leaning towards it. As far as the package, I could see easily two first-round picks, whether it's a pick this year and a future one next year or the year after. That's a given, in my opinion. It's the number one overall. I mean, you have to give up something to get something. On top of that, I think a second-round pick and a fourth-round, if not a third-round, could be thrown with an impact player, maybe an impact player and a flyer guy that you hope you can get some potential out of that he once had. Aside from that, you know, maybe they throw some money, a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder in there just to put the cherry on top. But I think that's really going to cap it out if uh, they do stick with a two first round pick method. Three first round picks could obviously change the story on what's being sent as far as the excess draft capital. But as far as the team that makes the most sense for the number one pick to get that, you know, so-called best quarterback, obviously we don't know what it's going to be like until we see them play in an NFL game. But I like your pick with the Colts. The Texans, I don't hate. Not a lot of teams make perfect sense to me, but if I had to go with one, and I also like your Lions pick that's out of the box, I probably have to agree and go with the Colts um, or just basic with the Texans trading up because they don't want to settle for Stroud. That's the only thing I can think of. But the Colts, they need a quarterback. I mean, we saw their former quarterback, Carson Wentz, being released by the Commanders just a few hours ago, I think exactly an hour ago. And so they've had the struggle. Obviously, Matt Ryan didn't pan out. And then, who were they playing there towards the end of the season for a few games? I forget. It's blank in my mind. Um, the Colts? Yes, the Colts. They played the Giants? No, 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 as far as their quarterback. Oh, who uh... they put out there? It was the Texas quarterback. <sighs> Why are we blanking? Was it Reinhardt? No. No. Um, we'll get back to it. If you could look that up for me, Jordan, but it hasn't been pretty, to say the least, and just goes to show that I couldn't even Sam remember. Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, go. that just goes to show I couldn't remember his name. He obviously didn't perform or else they wouldn't be considering him or they would be considering him. So Colts make a lot of sense, but also the Texans, new coach in there. They're looking to really just make sure that they can restart that franchise. So I think my number one pick is the Texans, but the Colts, I would not be surprised to see them really shoot up there and propel for that number one spot. As far as my top five NFL draft prospects, I'm eyeing ahead of the draft combine. I'm going to start with my honorable mention at number six, technically, but my honorable mention and go Stetson Bennett of Georgia. He had a few things that really just hurt his draft stock after winning the national championship, was arrested for public intoxication. So who knows if people are going to be considering that? I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal, but he also declined an invitation to the Senior Bowl in Alabama. So that's one thing as well. A lot of scouts were at that bowl. He could have had a chance to raise his stock. He didn't. He is going to be at the Combine reportedly, so we'll see what he does and if he can you know, really improve and raise the stock that was kind of detrimented during that little, uh, I guess you could say, two-week stretch. But then at number five, I have to agree with you guys, Jordan Addison from Pitt to USC and had a pretty good season last year with Caleb Williams in USC. He's going to be a great receiver in this draft, and I think that the Combine is going to tell a lot about whether you should be taking him over Smith and Jigba or if you should take the chance on Smith and Jigba as the first receiver off the board. We'll see, but as Jordan mentioned, a terrific season with Caleb Williams, and you look to get 
a lot of the same in the NFL. Number four, I have Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Tore his ACL, I believe. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Either one of the two, ACL or Achilles. But I expect him, he was electric before he went down. I expect him to bounce back, you know, come back from that injury and just be a better quarterback. And I think that a team that takes him is going to be pleasantly surprised with the output they get. Might not be a day one starter. Probably sits behind a guy for a year, but... He has a lot of potential, and I, I would see a team really taking a chance on him. So keep an eye on him during the combine. Number three, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. Speaks for itself. He was hurt all year, but he's a very talented player, and hopefully you can, you know, like I said, translate that to the NFL. Number two, Anthony Richardson. I don't know how he can't be on your board. He can't be on your top five list, but obviously his stock has been rising over the past few weeks. He's even being flirted up there towards the number one spot, and it could be justified. We'll see how he performs at the Combine, but definitely an interesting case in Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And number one, Bijan Robinson. This is the only running back in the draft class that could be considered to be taken in the first round. We know what comes with the first-round draft pick, uh, especially when you select a running back. It's that contract. Do they want to pay a running back a first-round contract and extend him four years down the line if he's, well, let's be honest, not as good? Running backs don't have a great shelf life. I personally wouldn't hate as a Philadelphia Eagles fan to move on from Miles Sanders and take him at 30, but it always comes into play, that contract. What will you have to pay him? He's a first-round selection. People are probably going to factor that in when they go to consider B. John Robinson despite his talent, but that's my top five list of NFL draft prospects. I'm eyeing ahead of the 2023 draft combine. You heard Justin Jordan and Chris's as we wrap up this Monday, February 27th edition of Offsides. Thank you all so much for tuning in on this really gross Monday. It's hailing a little bit outside, going to be snowing later, so make sure you stay sa- uh, stay safe out there, stay warm, and just overall avoid these weather conditions. Once again, you've been tuned into Offsides right here on RowanRadio.com channel 2. You can hear new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. online at RowanRadio.com channel 2 or by searching Rowan Radio Sports wherever you find your podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and have a great rest of your week. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.